As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Movement Church, and we are wishing you the best and brightest Sunday wherever this message finds you on this glorious planet that we call home. Um, we are glad you chose to fellowship with us again this morning in this virtual house of the Lord. Here at Next Movement Church, we are here to encourage every single believer to use the tools, the resources, the abilities God has given us to deepen our relationship with Him and with those that are around us. And so we hope that by the end of our time together that you know that this was a divine appointment to be here. You knew you were supposed to be here. You know that you needed to grow here. And so today I'm glad to host you. My, again, my name is Georgia Harris and we have the one and only Michael Harris. Hello. <laughs> and we're here to get into another awesome week on in, in another journey in God's word with you today. So we believe it's never too late to make that commitment to learn something new. And so if you're here with us, you know that there is something new to learn every single week and every single day. Yeah. So uh -huh. <laughs> as we know, no matter where you are today on the planet, we know that Bible study can take place where? Anywhere. 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 And so if you're here, get ready for another drum roll, please. Stop Session of intriguing. What is it? What do you got? Stop provoking, intriguing, uh, brain splattering, glasses. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, brain splattering, glasses cleaning. We're adding those this week. Head scratching, heart racing, page turning, brain bubbling, brain splattering, glasses cleaning, faith building, Bible study. And so if you are here, we say welcome. And if you've been here for a while, we say welcome back. Now, today we are 25. We are quarter of a century live. And so we're in our series on biblical spiritual beings. Um, we're going to jump right into the good stuff this week. There's just so much ground to cover that we just we got to jump in and we got to keep moving. So if you have yet to stretch, you probably, some of you might still be in your bed and just rolled over and said, I got to get to church. So just go ahead and stretch your arms, stretch your legs, stretch those fingers, stretch your brain, wiggle your nose, whatever you got to do. Try, just, just stretch it, stretch your brain. And so we're here, ready to go, um, ready to be alert and ready to be engaged today. So our commitment is as always, to stack our understanding of this topic against an ancient Hebrew biblical foundation. That's what we are laying our foundation on. There are many foundations that you can lay on today, okay? 
There are many understandings, um, many ways that people view the world, many ph philosophical ways that they view existence and the reason why they're here and what, what they're created to do and be. But we lay our foundation on an ancient Hebrew biblical foundation. That's where we start. That is our starting point. That is our source point, And we will stay right there. So if you are up to the task, just give me the thumbs up. Let me know you're ready to move forward. Already. I'll tell you, I had a song in my head today. Was it? I feel like pressing my way. I feel like pressing my way. And I'm on my way to glory. And I feel like pressing my way. I don't know where that came from today, but Not it's in my head. So as I say, every week we're on, our goal for the series is not to make you an expert. We're not here to make you an expert. There will be no awarding of PhDs in the peculiar in this course. What we can guarantee is that you will walk away from this series with more questions than answers, and they will be good ones. They'll be ones you'll seek out over the course of your life and take time to, to learn as God is giving you revelation. So if you're ready for the next thing, go ahead and give me a big amen. 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 All right, so before we get started, any questions that we need to keep track of today on our journey? Are there any that you'd like to raise or anything that are on your mind this week? Oh. I think they're ready. Is everybody ready? Just curious and ready to go? Yeah. All right. We're curious and ready to go. Elaine's trying to make sure I go as fast as possible because she's trying to get in as much as she can before her internet sucks. Before <laughs> <laughs> she gets international internet. And so, <laughs> so as we said earlier, we are in the series 25th week on biblical spiritual beings. This, um, if you missed this last week or any other weeks for that matter, please catch us online, um, nextmovementchurch.com under the sermons tab lots to get caught up on. If you're a person who needs to binge watch and binge listen, or you need something to watch watch or listen to while you're working, just go press play. <laughs> go press play. There's much for you to learn. You're, you'll be a part of every every moment, every laughter, every piece of laughter, every um, every joke, and every head-scratching moment that we've, that we've um, entertained over the last 25 weeks. Now, the last time we met, we were digging into our unit on the rebel insurgents also known as the Satan and demons. We spent three weeks laying a foundation of names, terms, definitions. And these are all names, terms, and definitions that we need to be successful on our journey together. It's a real level set period. And so we're gonna take a few minutes to orient our minds, identify what we know and move forward from there. But I just wanted to talk for a moment about the relevance of what it is that we're, that we're actually doing and what we're discussing. Now, the last few weeks, of, the last few days and the last few weeks have been very interesting in the news across the world. Um, and I think that this topic couldn't be any more relevant than it is today. I mean, one thing, one thing that's been just flooding our timelines news-wise internationally is this, is this situation of a, of a, of a cult church that, that um, was exposed in Jamaica recently. And so it is so, it is such a desperate time for people it is such an important time for people to understand the word of God and how, and how, how the Bible identifies spiritual activity, demonic activity, all the things that, that plague us today, spiritual wickedness in every place, amen? And so we are very grateful and very blessed that he's 
that we allow the Holy Spirit to do his job, which is to teach. Amen. Amen. <laughs> his job is to mm -hmm. teach and to guide and to protect and to govern. And so we thank God that we are really serious about the govern allowing the Holy Spirit to govern us um, in ways that keep us from hurt and harm and danger. And so today is a, is a great day to be reminded about why we are here. So, you know, I can't start this week or any week for, this, for that matter without reminding you why we're here, why we're doing what we do today. We are here, of course, to discuss that obvious answer of spiritual beings uh, in the Bible because they're queued up in our discussion line. But the most important reason is because Jesus acknowledges the existence of this alter enemy, this ultimate enemy. And he goes head to head with this adversary all the way from Genesis right through to the gospels and right through into Revelation. And so we need to know who it is that we're up against, amen? And so we, uh, we look to, as a, as a um, I guess, a theme, a theme scripture for this part of the series, that all scripture is God-breathed and it's used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so we endeavor to ensure that during this series and this segment, that it is an opportunity to properly teach to properly rebuke, to properly correct and train in righteousness so that God can be glorified. And when we allow, allow the Holy Spirit and allow the word of God to do its work, it keeps us out of danger. Amen? Amen. It keeps us safe from those traps and snares, those wolves in sheep's clothing, those who seek to devour you as the enemy does. Amen? And we Amen. remember that the enemy has messengers just like God does. There are there are messengers out there that that are from Him, and so this series couldn't be any more relevant than it is today, um, based on the things that are taking place in the world. So I pray that you're all, you're readily taking notes and always prayerful that the Holy Spirit would would speak to you and show you the truth and help to correct maybe some things you've heard over time that you weren't sure about or you know couldn't figure out that that this foundation will help you have a stable way to, to judge the world around you because we should judge the world around us. And people get really fearful of the world we're judging. It's like, oh, don't judge me. Only God can judge me. You know, t-shirts, chat, Tupac tattoos on your belly, whatever. What I'm saying is that the Bible says that you will judge angels one day. Did you know that? <laughs> it says that you will have the responsibility of actually judging angels one day. So we have to learn what it means to govern through the word and understand the word, the law, the everything that is in there so that we can properly dissect and judge things according to the word of God. So enough with that, I'll wrap up my little diatribe for this morning, but let's get started. Let's go back to where, to the beginning. And let's start with, of course, Hasetan. And so Hasetan, the Satan, as we've learned over the last few weeks is Hebrew word for adversary, right? It is someone who's adversarial, someone who stands against and we know that this is important because by itself, it does not mean anyone or any being, be they human or spiritual in particular. It just means one that stands against. So we went on to explore this in the word through the scriptures. And we found that this term was used in many different ways. It was used to describe humans who oppose one another, which may be in Solomon's case, the armies that were surrounding his nations, the surrounding mm -hmm. nation armies. We saw it used to describe the angel of the Lord, which may was a, was a shock at first, but made sense once we read it. And so the angel of the Lord was described in this way, more specifically when he was sent to destroy um, Balaam for his disobedience. 
And the third way we saw it used was this a particular spiritual being that was in God's throne room in the book of Job. And so this is the spiritual being that we traditionally refer to as Satan. When we talk about the ultimate adversary as Satan, this is, this is who we were referring to at that point. All right, so this is not news to anyone here. That is a complete recap. Now, we had a similar experience with the term the devil, but the devil is an English translation of a Greek word, diabolos. And so this describes a person, first of all, a person who slanders or speaks or defames another person. This is the character assassinator, right? And more importantly, this distinction gives context to some of the scriptures where we saw it used alongside the term Satan, because the Satan, as we read, is not inherently evil as a word. But when you pair that with someone who, or someone or some being who is slanderous and speaks evil and defamation, now we've got a, now we've got a negative being. Now we've got a negative energy being. And so based on what we discussed, can someone, do we believe that someone can be both an adversary and a liar? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Do we believe yeah. that someone can be adversarial and not be a liar? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It just says yes, tell me why. They're standing against, it doesn't mean they're a liar. Great, there we go. So she's saying that you can be adversarial without being a liar because we saw that in the angel of the Lord who was adversarial but was not a liar. So we remember those are separate terms. They don't essentially mean the same thing. So we have to be thoughtful about where they're being used, where they're being used. So again, so we looked at a few instances in Matthew and Luke where Jesus encounters who we call the ultimate adversary, the ultimate slanderer. Mm -hmm. And so the ultimate enemy. And so what we're doing this, what we did that week was continue our investigation of the use of the word devil and slanderer as, as it describes others in scripture. And this includes people who talk maliciously, people who gossip. This is, also includes our traditional use of the word devil, which is identified as the being who accused Job in the court of the Lord, right? So there's always, in both of these definitions, we see where they're applied to people and we've seen where they're applied to spiritual beings. People and spiritual beings can be Satan, can be adversarial, but people and spiritual beings can also be in the spirit of a diabolos, which is that slanderer, that character assassinator, that, that, that defamator, right? So these are all things that we learned to juggle throughout the last couple of weeks. Now, last week, let me, let me take you back to last week. I know, I know like I'm speeding along because I know that I want to get to what we got to get to. Last week, we started discussing the devil and the Satan that Jesus was actually resisting in his encounters in the wilderness. Now we're talking about the ultimate adversary, not all the other ways that we can use it, but talking about that devil, that evil, that, that high spiritual evil. And so Jesus was resisting his encounters in the wilderness experience from this particular Satan, this particular devil. So we're talking about that spiritual being that I often call the ultimate adversary. Now, last week, we got a few of the common titles in. We got a few common titles in. And always remember that, that the ultimate adversary is the author of confusion. So there are many terms, names, forms that, we, that this being is encountered and, and identified as. And part of that, that's part of, the, that's part of the show for him. 
<laughs> is to create that confusion and not be identified as one name or one thing. So what are some of the names or titles that we've discussed and named the ultimate adversary with? What have we called him before? What are some of those names that we learned? Darkness. Yes. So we got that. The power of darkness was one. Good. What else? Beelzebub. Yeah, we talked about Beelzebub. That was good. See? And does does anyone remember what the translated name for Beelzebub was? What there's maybe three of them. So Asia, can you give me one? Prince of the Flies. Oh, Lord of the Flies. Good, good. That's one. What's another Lord one? The Lord no. of the House. Lord of the House, Ruby. Good job. That's a really important one. And what's the third Dumb. one? Dung. <laughs> I hear you over there, Lady. She goes, Lord of Dung. Yes, exactly. Lord of Dung. So Lord of so Lord of Filth, yes. So we have the Lord of Filth, Lord of Flies, Lord of Dung, and Lord of the House. Oops. So one we spent time exploring last week. Very important. Did anybody, what, did anybody take away something new from that conversation last week, especially about Lord of the House that they would like to share? Not Lord of the House, but... Uh... Oh, well, tell me a part that you learned last week that you thought you'd want to share with the group. Well, I didn't know that Beal um, meant Lord. I just didn't know. Ah, yes, the Baals, when the Baals, that front end means Lord. Yes, it does. Good job. Anybody else? Pretty much the same for me. Didn't know that. All right. I can't understand why, he, why uh, the Pharisees, the mm -hmm. why they called Jesus a Oh, what's her? Uh, so, uh, Beelzebub. Beelzebub did with exorcisms and stuff. Ah, Asia says that she learned, she learned how um, she was really interested in what she learned about the Pharisees and why they tried to associate Jesus with Beelzebub because of the conversation around exorcism. It was now that was a that was an important point as well. Yes. And remember, we talked about that. We had a whole conversation about that scripture where Jesus talks about binding up the strong man. Right. Yes. And it's like, how can you come into his house unless you and, and plunder him unless you first bind him up? And how he was specifically referring in that scripture to the Lord of the house. That was the, con the topic of conversation at the time. And so, yeah, Jesus was very, very wise with how he used his words. If you didn't, you missed that last week, go back and listen to it because that was a very important, um, a, a really important conversation around that scripture about binding, binding the Lord of the house. Um, so now let's take a look at this. We spent a lot of time last week in Matthew 12. Um, and so here's what we talked, we spent a lot of time in Matthew 12 and second Kings one, chapter one. And gosh, we got a really good understanding of why this, as Asia was discussing, why this reference was so offensive to Jesus that was dealt to him by the Pharisees. It was really offensive. And so here, here's what we learned about that. From history, we learned that Beelzebub is identified as the God of Ekron, right? We talked about him being identified as the God of Ekron. Ekron is an ancient Canaanite city right? And we said that this Canaanite city was a Philistine city, eventually became a Philistine city. And it was in that, that the five cities of the greater, of the greater Philistine area, right? Because we'll call it the Philistine Pentapolis. Right. So basically those five cities, like I said, they're that metro area and Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, was basically their patron deity. So 
this name meant Lord of Dung, Lord of Filth, Lord of the House, um, Lord of the Flies. And in ancient religions, Beelzebub was associated with, with, with sacrifice. Like I said, what a pertinent week to have this conversation. <laughs> and so it was associated with sacrifice. And so he, so Beelzebub was invoked to drive away the flies that came as sacrifice was made when blood was shed. And so, because as you know, as you, as you, as animals, if anything is sacrificed, there's a lot of blood and that attracts flies immediately. And so they're like, get it off the sacrifice, call Beelzebub to get rid of them. So, so he's a lawyer, he could he control the situation of filth around them. And Beelzebub was believed to be some being that could, and if some, or if someone was able to perform exorcism, so ejecting demons, casting demons out of people, um, that person was associated with Beelzebub. It was believed that that person had control over all the devilish behavior in the world and that Beelzebub could actually possess people itself. And so when Jesus was being accused of being affiliated with Beelzebub, it was extremely offensive. It was extremely offensive. As a matter of fact, if you read, read the whole chapter at some point, this is the same passage of scripture where after Jesus puts them in their place about this conversation, he speaks about blaspheming against the Holy Spirit mm. and how there's no forgiveness for that. And it was in the context of this conversation where this comes up. So a lot of times people, you know, get really superstitious about that. It's like, oh, you said that wasn't the Holy Spirit. You're going to hell. You're never going to return. Not the truth. Read the context that that scripture was delivered in. And it was in this topic of conversation. Now, if we look here, Jesus makes clear in Matthew 12 um, that he is no friend of Beelzebub, right? And he, and instead, he was at war with him. He's not, I'm not a friend of his. I am at war with him. And so he went on into, and so he goes on to say in verse 29, as we read, that he went into, what he said was, I went into his territory and bound up this strong man or this Lord of the house. How can you enter a strong man's house? How, he entered into the Lord of the house of darkness and he took his, took his possessions from him, which was this man that was, like we said, this man was possessed as, it, as the word said, he was possessed. And because he was both blind and mute, he was unable to ask for help or to help himself. And so Jesus went in and plundered the house of darkness and took this man out from his possession, right? And so, and so we learned that this was not, and so as you read in that scripture, read it in 29, or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? And that's where we get a conversation about binding demons and tying demons. That's what this is. And so then he can plunder his house. So he actually took this as an aside, as an extra, as an extra analogy to what it was he was actually doing when you read that in context in the scripture. So I, I recommend if you want to dig into that more, go back and read it again based on what I just said to you and see if you can find that theme in there. Now, here, here's another thing that we picked up last week. We learned that this was not the first time that Jesus encounters this Beelzebub. And somebody said, what? Where and how, right? 
And so I, I, a couple of us that hung around last week got, got this, this, this egg, as we'll call it. Does anybody remember the Old Testament story that correlates to this where Jesus encounters this Beelzebub? I remember I said Old Testament story. Uh, Any guesses? When Jesus was in the mount? Close, gotta go a little further back. And, and it's oh. not as obvious to the reader as you would think. I'll, get, I'll let one more person guess and then I'm just gonna give it to you because this is, a, this is not an easy connection to make. Second Kings? There it is, Second Kings. When we talked about it last week, somebody out there listening might be saying, but Jesus wasn't in the Old Testament. Did we learn that Jesus was in the Old Testament? No. Yeah. And, and in what capacity was he in the Old Testament? He was, um, he was there from Genesis um, when um, being the word. Uh-huh. And then and when we saw him in physical form, who was who may he be? <laughs> who was he in physical form in the Old Testament? The angel of this the sun. Yep, I hear Cloud. it. The angel of the Lord, right? So here we go. Second Kings. Chapter one, verse three, just a, just a snippet of what we read last week. It says, like I said, second Kings is in what? Old or New Testament? Old. Old Testament. Old Testament. That's right, Lane. Old Testament. Here it reads, chapter one, verse three, but the angel of the Lord. Who's that? Jesus. Who's that? Jesus. you right. So, but the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, mm -hmm. go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going off to consult Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? So, and we read this last week, this is the entire story last week. Anybody want to recap a few things that happened in this story with Elijah last week? Anybody remember? Okay. It just says, not me on your behalf. So, <laughs> so in the story that we touched, the angel of the Lord, which is Jesus, gave specific instructions on a matter dealing with Beelzebub. He, he sends Elijah to tell the king's guard, to tell the king, right, that he shouldn't be consulting with this, with this pagan god, right? He says this. And so king doesn't listen. He sends to Elijah. What, what happens? He sends to Elijah 50 men. And a, and a captain, yes, 50 men and a captain and tells Elijah to come down and he says, well, if I be a man of God, be consumed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what happens to them? Fire came, fire came down. <laughs> right? They're consumed. And then the king doesn't learn and he sends 50 more men and another captain for Elijah. And he says, well, if I'm a man of God, be consumed. And then what happens? Fire came down and they were consumed. So we lose casualties of the day. 102. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we have 102. So the king still is stubborn and he sends another 50 people yeah. and a different captain of the guard. And what happens with this one? They this were one safe, please don't, don't do it. With fire. <laughs> he pleads for his life, doesn't he? He pleads for his life. He for his life. <laughs> the army captain pleads for his life and then the angel of the lord which is jesus tells him to go with that army guard and then he repeats this same message to mm -hmm. the king in his face and says is there no god in israel that you are going it's, it's like you are you saying there's no god in israel why you feel like you need to go talk to beelzebub the god of ekron to help you 
and then eventually the king becomes cursed and he dies in his bed and end of story next one right the rest of his work is is in the annals of the kings or in in um chronicles so remember this is g it's interesting to see that specifically the angel of the lord which is jesus went head to head with his prophet elijah on a matter dealing with this same Beelzebub. And then we fast forward to the New Testament where he's being accused of being in cahoots with this Beelzebub. I mean, it's really offensive. <laughs> it's really oh, offensive. Thanks. And then the things that he's affiliated with, it was just really offensive. So again, when we compare the percentage, so just think of that for a moment. This is a this was a really good conversation. And there are more names. There are more names, but that was just our dealings with Beelzebub and um, the Lord of Flies and also the power of darkness, because we always have this conversation about the collective power of darkness, the Voltron power of darkness, as I call it. And so we're gonna move on a little bit. We're gonna change gears a little bit because after after reading this past week. I realized that there was something that we'd like, that we need to back up and do. And so I'm gonna to start to, to shift in that direction a little bit. And it, it's gonna take us a couple of weeks to do it, but I think that it's gonna be worth our journey if we do so, because I, I, I really strongly believe in learning timelines. So, so here's my reset thought for today. When we compare percentages of all the things that Jesus talks about, we know that Jesus taught about spiritual, about spiritual evil, but it wasn't a very large percentage of what he discussed. What, what Jesus teaches about wickedness and evil is quite different than what we end up focusing on as believers. So a great example of that is Matthew 25. I'm going to go there. 25 verses 31 through 46. And so this is, we're going to position you how, how Jesus would frame conversations around about evil um, in the scripture. So again, for those who are writing, Matthew 25, 31 through 46, and we're going to read it all. And it reads that when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, so these are, these are, these are spiritual beings, right? Spiritual messengers. It says when the Son of Man which is Jesus, comes in his glory and all the angels with him. He will sit on his glorious throne. Okay. Then it reads, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So we're moving stuff around here, people around here. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then it says, but then the king will say to those on his right, come you who, you who are blessed by my father and take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. So who, who is he speaking to here again? The people on the right. Right. People on the right, right? And we identified them as the sheep right now, right? So, so he said, the king will say to those on his right, come, those of you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom 
prepared for you since the creation of the world. And we know that the one that sits on the throne is Jesus. Anytime that we that we are able to see the physical presence of God, it is Jesus, as we've read. And so 35 reads, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And I was, when I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink and I was a stranger and you invited me in. It says, for I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? Right? So they're like, okay, thanks Jesus. But when I don't remember doing any of that for you. So when did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And then the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So let me stop here for a second before I continue. We just read here that Jesus is gonna come in his glory with his angels, right? With his messengers, they're gonna show up and he's gonna be sitting on the throne. So he's glorified at this point. And he is going to separate people into two groups. And he has the sheep and the goats. And the sheep were on the right and the goats were on the left. Are we hearing this? We're following? He's speaking to the sheep. And he and what did Jesus say was righteousness for them? What did he list? Feeding people. Bev said feeding people. Who's next? The clothing. Clothing people says Ruby. Healing. Minister, to, minister to people. Ministering to people says Elaine. Visiting people. Visiting people says Asia. So these are all important things, right? He says, mm -hmm. all of these things. And he said, and because of that, they are about to receive the, the kingdom that God had prepared for the king had prepared for them. Now, verse 40, he said, if you did this to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. 41. Then he will say to those on his left, i.e. the goats. Do goats and sheep look pretty similar? Yeah. They sure yeah. do. Say. And, if you've, and if you've had the chance to raise your seat both, you know how similar they can look until sheep get fluffy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> until sheep get fluffy, you need to be sheared. They look, they look extremely similar. They almost sound alike if you're listening to them. Mm -hmm. You'll know the difference in the bleeding though. Goats are really stubborn. But anyway, tasty. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are what? First. And into the eternal fire prepared for who? The devil. devil. And his 
angel. angel. Mm -hmm. So like I said earlier, does the devil have his own messengers? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 He has his own team that he tries to mirror, mirror God's team, right? So he's got his own team. And so it says, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, the ultimate mm -hmm. adversary and his angels. This is not just somebody who's talking gossip. <laughs> We're talking about the ultimate one this time. And I wonder why they went there. Let's find out that, that let's see. Maybe we'll find out that they cast, cast a curse upon the land or some kind of, um, mm, they're doing some kind of ritual that, that, that put a spell on a neighborhood. Let's see what they did to be cursed like this. He said in 42, for I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. Mm. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger needing clothes or a sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. life. Amen. Amen. What was Jesus saying? I'll give it, I'll give you all a chance to speak. So let me know. I know Beth's gonna jump in. Beth, what is Jesus saying here? Well, he's just saying that you know what? Pay attention to your brothers and sisters. Do not try to keep everything for yourself and not share anything if the person is in need of it. Mm. That's what Jesus is saying, you know. Elaine, what is Jesus saying here? Well, basically, you know, that we, as Bev said, we really should be our brothers and sisters keepers. We should look after one. We should take care of each other, basically. Mm -hmm. We are all God's children. Yeah. You know, yeah. and if you if you do see one hungry, offer them yeah. something to eat, no matter how small it is. Even if you have to go hungry, you should feed somebody else. Mm. Wow, mm. Deanna, if you're if I think you're about what do you what do you think, Deanna? What is Jesus saying? Well, he's saying it's not multiple choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we don't pick and choose. Oh, well, we don't want to get too close to them. Ew, you know. <laughs> no, you invite them in. You, you minister to them. You take care of them. That's right. So we don't get to pick and choose. No. <laughs> Treat everybody. And sometimes the ones who you least want to be around are the ones who need, need it the most. Mm -hmm. And God loves them the same as he does everybody else. Right. Wow. Jeez, Monica, anything you want to add to that? Um, Jesus is pretty much saying, I am in everybody. Mm -hmm. There's a part of me in everybody. Mm -hmm. So you should treat everybody that you see the same way you treat me. 
I just want to say, be saying we should be faithful to each other. Amen. Amen. And did I miss anybody that wants to add something? No. All right. Asia qualified you all. So <laughs> from what we, so what we read here, it's interesting because I, I think what's so curious about this scripture is that Jesus said these behaviors were worthy of eternal fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like Deanna said, it's not multiple choice here. Like these are required. These were the, these are required, and he says it's it, it's worthy of eternal fire to per, to intentionally ignore the poor and destitute. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now here's the question: Who was the fire originally made for? From what we read, who was it made for? Well, the devil and his angels. Yeah. I mean, it said, it said so there's a plan for them, right? Mm-hmm. Right? There, there's a plan for them. So if I go back a little bit and I go back before he, before, you know, they're freaking out asking, Lord, what did we do? Why, what, what? We didn't do that. Um, in 41, it says, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Pretty severe. It's pretty uh-huh. severe. What language? Harsh language, right? And so, who would, and so we know that this ultimate adversary, since we're on the spiritual beings topic, what we did pull out of this is that they would have already had an understanding, whoever was listening to this, of who this ultimate devil was and the fact that there are angels attached to it. There are messengers attached to it. Uh-huh. So, so he was dealing with a different topic. But as he was dealing with the topic, we learned something about the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. It wasn't direct, but we learned it, right? You see that? When I started this section, I said that Jesus didn't do a lot of direct teaching about the spiritual world. But as we go through scripture, we can find hints and breadcrumbs that give us an idea of what that world looks like and who's involved in it and what their impact is. So as we read here, somehow we found out that this ultimate adversary had his own messengers. And it's because he said, hey, y'all who are doing what you're supposed to do, you're going with them to this place over here, right? So now we've added some new players to the game. I think that if you ever played, I don't I know some of y'all are probably too old to play Super Smash Brothers, but it's like, <laughs> you know, now evil angels have joined the battle. Okay, now the evil angels have joined the battle. So now we, has joined the battle. They've joined the battle. So now we know that we have an ultimate adversary, right? If you're keeping track of who's, who's on the evil squad, we have the ultimate adversary, the devil, right? And we have evil angels that are a part of this picture, which we know, which we've discussed before as called um, demons, right? Demonian. We will talk about them in detail another day. But before we build them, these, this, this adversarial cast, this evil cast into the picture, before we build them into the storyline, I want, we have another task that we have to complete. And this is what I was hinting to earlier about the direction we must go in order to get back here. I don't want to lose sight of the fact that every time Jesus mentions these, mentions these rebels, he gives no real definition of who they are and what they do, because he really doesn't. He doesn't give a definition of who they are and what they do. He just talks about them as if they are factual and everybody knows what they do. So, And he would do that because all that were around him at the time would have a very Hebrew understanding of who these characters are. 
The challenge is we don't know who these characters are because we weren't born in understanding a Hebrew tradition. Am I right? Yeah. So they knew, but we don't know. So we have to step back into the Tanakh. We have to go back to the Old Testament scriptures again. And we need to focus our attention on the main themes about spiritual evil that we find in really what's like the first three quarters of your Bible. Mm -hmm. So we, we got to go back and do a history timeline. We're going to have to do another history timeline. And so we're going to start with Genesis. So if you want to know what we're calling this now, it's on the screen. We are going back and looking at the biblical history of evil. <laughs> mm -hmm. so we will be able to track our, our Satan and the demons cast of characters and what their functions are by going back and starting with the history timeline. So, you know, this is going to take us not more, not just one week, right? This is going to take a bit. This will take a while. So, all right, who's ready to go with me? You ready? Yeah. yeah. So we're back. Yeah. We're, we're going to start talking about the history of evil. Got to go back. Now, if you want to chart the development of evil in the Bible, you have to resolve the fact that it's never described directly. There are conversations in the New Testament that give us some pretty square ideas of some things, but in the Old Testament, it's not, like I just said before, and I've been saying a lot today, it's never really described directly. There's no A to Z encyclopedia of evil or some list that you can go to to check off in the Bible that gives you all the parameters of the work of evil. They do not outline this as, a, as like I said, a checklist or a shopping list for readers. There's no chapter to find that. But what we do have is a collection of stories. And in the stories, we have images. And these images come together to form an understanding of how evil works. And so this means that, you know, we're going to see many things. And there might be many things that you've seen in your lifetime that do not get directly answered in your Bible. There's a lot of manifestations of stuff that you've probably seen in life that you don't have a direct answer for from the Bible. Like I can't turn to, to 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 1, verse 3 and say, okay, so that's why that man was walking around like that and his head was spinning while he was walking down the street. Like, you know, they, they, there's no chapter verse for a lot of things that you're going to encounter, right? There's no chapter verse for that. But as we explore the history, we will see patterns of evil work. And, we'll, and once we understand the patterns of evil's doing, we're better equipped to see how that evil is manifesting itself in our world today, okay? So if you're looking for the checklist to pop up on chapter verse, this page there, you're not gonna find it. But, but, so let's see what we can, we, can, we can pull out of the stories and the images that we're going to tackle from Genesis into, into the New Testament. And of course, um, it's going to be a fun journey. I always like reading. And I know how much y'all like close reading. And I know that I see probably, Shannon's probably in here today. So Shannon, we're going on a close reading journey if you're here today. <laughs> if you're here today, we got a close read to go. Yay. Yay. She's a much mm -hmm. close reading to go. So today, let's start right at the beginning of Genesis. We got just enough time to do some Genesis work, lay some bricks, and we'll continue through the rest of the Old Testament week by week. Hmm. So where shall we go? The beginning. Let's go to the beginning. Let's go to Genesis 1. You can always, we can always start in Genesis. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it great? <laughs> you probably know Genesis better now than you've known your whole faith career. 
<laughs> we spent so much time in Genesis over these last few series. So, okay, we're going to Genesis 1. And we're skipping all the way down to, Gen to 24 to 26. Now, I want you to just release all of what, you, what you're coming into this conversation with and just read the story with me because we've got to build, I got to build a case for some things. I'm not going to hit it square on the head before 1230, but I'm going to, I'm going to start building a case that I want you to start to, to meditate on and think about. So Genesis 1, 24 through 26, and it reads, and God said, let the land produce living creatures. Okay. So mm -hmm. again, we're still in creation, right? And mm -hmm. God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground. And if you're reading King James, it probably said those that creep it. Right. Creeping things. Creepy things. Yeah, creepy things. Good. So the creatures that move along the ground, the ones that creep, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. All right, so let's go back and look at our timeline. In 24, what happens here? All right, let's see, who's gonna, who wants to take 24? I can. Okay, Beth, you tell me, what happened in verse 24? Um, let the, the land produce living creatures, mm -hmm. right? So, um, according to their kind, the livestock, the creatures that moves along the ground and the wild animal, each according to its kind. Okay, so God does what? God makes a declaration, right? Mm -hmm. These these are good. These need to be created. We're gonna, we need some stuff on the ground right. now, right? Mm -hmm. And so he said, all right, so they're going to produce. We're going to get livestock and creatures that creep it, and then we're going to have some wild animals. And I need them to right. produce according to their kind. Right? Good. So who wants to do 25? So what happens? God may call wild animal. Yeah. According to their kind. Uh -huh. Living stock according to their kind. And all creature that move along the ground according to their kind. And right. God said that it was good. And he said it was good, right? So what are some animals out there that we think would be wild animals? What kind of animals? Lions and tigers Lion. and deers. Oh my. Oh my. Right? <laughs> Rhinos. <laughs> All these guys are, you know, that's who gets created, right? Okay, so what about livestock? What, what animals are livestock for us? Cows, oh, sheep. Cattle. Sheep. Chickens. Cows. Yeah. Yeah. Farming animals, right? Ones that we often see on farms are technically are often called livestock. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah,
Tilapia. Well, we went from lions and tigers and bears, oh my, to oh, McDonald had a farm, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so we had those two. And you'll, you'll never forget this again based on how I said that. You know that, right? <laughs> so, you know, so you know that you've got, like I said, we've got lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Then we went to oh, McDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. And then we said that all the creatures that move along the ground, all the creepy crawlies. So who are the creepy crawlies? Yeah. <laughs> the snakes, snakes uh, and bugs. Yeah. The centipede. All these, all these things that slip around the ground and all that stuff. Yeah, the centipede and, and those, the ants and all of the stuff with legs like this and all the that. roaches too. Oh, yeah. I don't even know why. <laughs> Creepy crawlies. I still don't know why the roaches were created. I don't know about them. But, um, so we have all the creepy crawlies, right? All the creepy crawlies were created. All of them are created. God says, and, but, but he creates all of them. And he says, what about them? Yeah, they, they saw that good. it was good. It's good. He said, even the creepy crawlies are good. Even the creepy well, they, they all had a purpose. Yeah. Whether it was feed for others or... Uh, are just, even, I, I hate to say it, but snakes do have a purpose. They do have a purpose. <laughs> I don't want them around me. They do have a purpose. I, I hate them. I hate you know, them. Yeah, me too. We, we might be, at, they might be adversaries to us. It does not mean they're <laughs> not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I have, okay, so here's a little story I got time for. Five minutes, two minutes of story time. I went to Jamaica and one time and I was staying in a hotel and I, since a child, since I was a child, I was afraid of lizards. Now I had some cousins when I was a little, when I was a little girl and little lizards like this, little ground lizards. Now granted, we have these in Arizona all over the place. I don't argue about them now. My dog chases them and plays with them. But you know, little running lizards like this. And so I was told when I was a little girl that if I touched one of these lizards, they were going to stick to my hand. And I was terrified that one of these lizards would touch me and I'd be stuck to a lizard. So I was terrified of lizards and lizards would sometimes crawl into the rooms and walk, you know, they'd crawl up the wall and they'd stay in the corner of the room and sit in the corner. And so I wouldn't sleep at night because I was afraid that this lizard was going to wake up on my face. So fast forward, I'm an adult and I'm in Jamaica and I'm sitting in this, in this one room and I was sleeping in this hotel room and it's just me and this lizard shows up and I am not sleeping because it's just me (laughs) not sleeping. And he stayed for the night. Everything was fine. I woke up the next morning, I was fine. The next morning he was there. The next night he was there and I'm just not sleeping. I just gotta get him going. So I call the hotel staff and I, and I just, you know, my first world stuff now. And I go to, and I go and I say, can you please have somebody come and get the lizard out of my room? And I just, I can't, I'm having a hard time. I'm by myself and I, and I just, I, I'm struggling with this lizard. They, and so somebody came in, shooed the lizard out the room and he was gone. I woke up the next morning of 10 mosquito bites. Oh, see? Mm. And then I never had an argument with the lizard again. <laughs> I am extremely allergic to, to mosquitoes. And so I, I blow up, like I, I, I swell, I hide when I get mosquito bites. And so, oh the, so what I learned was that they were eating the mosquitoes. They were there for the, for the, for the mosquitoes and Thank the moth. They were there for the meal. And the meal was actually keeping me safe. And, <laughs> I was, and they probably figured out that I was good for them because mosquitoes love me. <laughs> so like, well, we're hanging out with her because my meal is coming. And that meal would have saved me from all the bites. 
So I never, I almost looked for the, for the lizard again. I'm like, can somebody bring him back? <laughs> but that's the thing is like, I, I no longer, and now, I, now they're outside at my house and I let him run. I'm like, hey, look at that one. He's got blue on his back. Hey, that one's green. Like, you know, I, I actually appreciate the lizards now. Of course, I'm still not. <laughs> but, we, but they have a purpose, right? So yeah. all this to say that God creates all of this according <laughs> to their kinds. And then at the end of it, he says, and saw that it was good. It was good. They all had purpose. They all had a reason to be here. Scorpion yes, even scorpions, even though I, I don't intend to play with them. <laughs> so, what we, so what we have here is that we're looking at, we go through all of this and then day six of Genesis one shows up, day six. And so day six shows up and God populates the dry land with the creatures, first the animals, and then after that, human beings come to the scene. So let's talk about this from, when we see human beings, let's look at this. Let's, let, let's look at mankind. So mankind gets made in our image, in our likeness. So the human race, right? Gets made in our image, in our likeness. And then we're giving them rulership over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over the livestock and the wild animals and the creatures that move along the ground. So remember, we didn't get the, the fish in them in this one because we already covered them too. So everything that's moving on the earth, I'm giving them dominion over them. I'm giving them rulership, responsibility to care for all that is moving on the earth and under the water, right? So let's take, let's stop back for a step back for a second and take and talk about the living creatures. So remember we said here, let me go back. Two, was it two script, two verses ago? He specifically says, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. And in the list of living creatures, we get livestock, wild animals, um, things that creep on the ground. Okay, we're clear on that? Living mm -hmm. creatures, yes. so livestock, things creeping on the ground, wild animals. Mm -hmm. And of course, the, 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 the fish in the water, birds in the sky, they're all in that, living creatures. So, day six. Everybody say coyote. Okay. Coyote. Okay. Now add another Y into it and say coyote. Coyote. So the animals called are called living creatures, coyote or coyote, because it's almost like a double Y in there when you pronounce it. And then they're specified, like I said, by rough categories, domestic animals, creepers, which are the little wild ones that run and hide when you walk on, walk up to them and wild beasts, right? Now, we read that list and we said the last beings to be made were who? Human beings. Men. Human beings, right? Mankind, yeah. human beings. So we notice that the humans are the last to be created in Genesis. Mm -hmm. Yet, they are elevated to rule over all of creation. Mm -hmm. They rule over all of creation, all the creation that exists in the seas and the sky and on the land, all the creatures of the land. And so this pattern establishes a major design in the biblical story. This is good. You're going to see this theme again and again and again. And you're probably asking yourself, well, what am I seeing? Well, God's elevation of this latecomer 
to a role of honor above the early comers. Mm -hmm. so he has all these early comers, and then he has this late comer that comes and it's elevated to an honorable role. And it doesn't take many chapters before we see this again. We, we, and so let me give you a couple examples. And, and by that time, we'll, we'll be cutting into next week, but you'll see why I'm going here. We're just going to skip over to Genesis um, chapter 25. I'm going to give you a verse. And Genesis chapter 5, 23. So remember, we're tracking this pattern of create those created and then the latecomer giving a spot of honor. So we're going to Genesis 25, 23. And Genesis 25, 23 reads, the Lord said to her, I'm going to let you guess who this is. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Does anyone know what two biblical characters this scripture is about? Esau. 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 Yeah, Esau, Jacob and Esau, right? With the Jacob eventually becoming Israel, right? right? So look at what happens here. There are two nations in your womb. Okay, you have two being born. There's two nations of people inside of you. One will be stronger than the other. And the one that is older is going to serve the younger. So there's this one that will come first, but this mm -hmm. latecomer is going to be is going to be the one that leads in this situation. Okay, so there, Genesis 25. Let's get, let's jump to another one. Go a little further down, Genesis 37. And I'm gonna read all of verses one through 11. So if you're writing Genesis 37, verses one through 11, let's read another story. It reads, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilah and the sons of Zippah, and his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, Israel, right? Now, remember, Israel is also who? What was his previous name? Jacob. Jacob. Yeah. Notice how they started the conversation with Jacob lived in the land of Israel. Now they go to verse 3, and they change his name to Israel mid-conversation, mm -hmm. okay? And it says, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made him an ornate robe. Wow. And when his- or is it, Sorry. Or is it because he loved his mother more? You decide. <laughs> <laughs> That can also play into that conversation because um, no. he did love his mother more. That is a fact. This is a fact. <laughs> this is a fact. But we're gonna go with what the we're gonna go with what the word says right now. He's the word said, listen, he was in his old, he got him later in his old age, so he loves him. He's a he's in what they say in Jamaica, close to being a wash belly. So anyway, when <laughs> when his brothers saw that his that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Mm. So they, they were jealous and probably rightfully so, right? Mm -hmm. Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. <laughs> he said to them, hey guys, listen, I had this dream, boy, woo. And we were binding sheaves of grain, 
out in the field. So we're tying up, we're tying up grain outside and suddenly my sheep, it rose and stood up high, upright. And your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Okay. He should have kept that to himself, you know. Careful. <laughs> they already hated it. And then you're going to say this, like, Whoa. so it's, it's like, so as, as Caden would say, so you're flexing. Okay. <laughs> so you gained the flex on me. So his, so his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? So what you're trying to say, you're going to run this, you're going to rule us? Will you going to run the show. I hear my run things. And then they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said, as they probably should have. So then he had another dream. He doesn't learn. So he told it to his brothers. He said, listen, guys, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. <laughs> so when he told so when he told his father who does love him right but he told his father as well as his brothers his father rebuked him he's like all right that's enough and mm -hmm. said what is this dream you had would your mother and i mm -hmm. and your brothers actually come and bow down on the ground before you so now what are you trying to say all of us are going to bow to you now me and your mom too. And it goes in your head, boy. You <laughs> <laughs> said it, Deanna. Right? And so his brothers were jealous of him, but even though his father rebuked him, is my little note, his father kept the matter in mind. He said, I'm going hmm, to remember that. I can't tell him that I'm noting that right now, but I'm listening. I'm listening. Right? So, you know, sometimes you got to do that. You plus, so you hide some things away in your heart. So what is this story? Okay. What, what's the story? What would we, if we gave the story a title, what would we call this story? Whose story? The last shall be the first. <laughs> <laughs> right? The last shall be the first. Ruby said she would name it the last shall be the first. What would you call it, Monica? The jealous brothers. <laughs> the sibling rivalry. The rivalry. Yeah. Michael Jackson and the Jackson Five. Michael <laughs> Jackson Five. I'll take it. So I, I, I would say God grooms him. God grooms him. Okay. Yeah. Family matters. I'll just call it family matters. Yeah, family matters. Um, <laughs> so this story, and you know what? If I if I was if I if I was um ten again, I'd probably say this is Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So in this story, Joseph's older brothers hate him because of his dreams about ruling over them, understandably so. But we have a pattern, right? We have a pattern. We just saw this with Joseph. We saw this previously with, with who? Jacob, mm -hmm. right? Which was his father. We saw that before. We see this in creation. Let's mm -hmm. do one more. We have time for one more. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. <clears throat> Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to read verses 1 through 13. And yeah, you can always go back and read these in detail if you got time. So 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1 through 13, and it reads, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? 
since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. He's like, look, stop, stop, stop crying over spilled milk. Stop worrying about Saul. I need you to get up and get about your business. Let's go. And so he says, I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king, right? So Saul is a lost cause. I need you to go anoint me a new king. Stop crying about it. We know, I know that you thought he was going to be awesome, but we got to get on with it and go find somebody else. So now go to the house of Jesse. That's what we have, right? Keep on reading. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. And then the Lord said, take a heifer with you, right? So get a cow and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. He said, here's how you get out of it. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one that I indicate. Verse four, Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They're like, oh God, here comes Samuel. <laughs> What's gonna happen now? And so they asked, Samuel, you come in peace. Because, you know, they're used to these guys coming and condemning them for doing the wrong thing, right? So it's like, Samuel, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come sacrifice with me. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. He's like, yeah, this has got to be him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or height. Yeah, because Jesus is going to be four foot. But listen, don't, <laughs> don't be concerned with how good he looks and how tall he is, right? I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, yes. but the but Lord inside. at the heart. Keep going. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. Seven of them. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Like there's no more, just these seven? They're still the youngest. Jesse answered, but he's, he's tending the sheep. Uh, we're talking about the sheep again, huh? He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and he had brought him in and had him brought in. And he was glowing with the, with the health, with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And King James, I think they say he was like ruddy. <laughs> he was like ruddy. And so then the Lord said, rise and anoint him 
this is the one. This little dirty, scruffy, good-looking thing comes in and they anoint him. And so, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And, in, and from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. But Samuel then went to Ramah. So he did his job. He said, all right, I got to go. He went back to work. All right, so let's, let's pause for a moment. I want you to consider this pattern, all right? Going back, I'm gonna take you back to the beginning for a moment because what we saw was in that story, Jesse has sons, Saul is losing the kingdom. Samuel is, is commissioned to go find the next king of Israel. He's sent to the sons of Jesse. He has seven amazing sons, but none of them are called. And this last one, the last one is the one that he's going to anoint to rule over everything, right? So let me, let me take you back to the, to the beginning before we close. After considering this pattern throughout the Hebrew Bible, and actually there's one more we could have, we could have covered, which was, which was um, Cain and Abel. I could have even covered them. But after considering this pattern, you're prompted to notice this day six conversation again that the beast of day six who are created first and then summoned to come under the rule of humans that came last. Mm. Our question to ourselves, because remember, what are we, what are we studying today? What, what's, our, what's, our, what's our topic? History. Yeah, the history of the what? Biblical history of evil. The history of evil. So now I want you to, good job, Ruby. Now put that in your forefront of your mind. If we're studying the history of evil, I wonder why Georgia took us on this journey and so far into it. Well, think of it this way. Will any of these creatures that came before humans, is it possible that any of them will end up being like Esau was with Jacob? Or, Joseph, or angry like Joseph's brothers who came before him? Or even Cain? Who, who resented being ruled by another, by his brother, like being, a, his, being ahead of his, his brother, being ahead of him. Mm -hmm. So will we find at some point that there may be a creature who resents being ruled by a creature who comes after them? And that's the question that we're gonna take into next week. Because we, yeah, it's over. <laughs> Wait, it's over? Yeah, it's over. So, because we're right at time. But I want you to start to think through that about like that we're establishing the history of evil. And we do see in each of these stories how there is some resentment or anger or frustration that comes when, when a ladder gets elevated before the former. And so we're going to pin that to the beginning in the first story next week when we continue on the subject of the Satan and demons as we're digging into the history of evil. So for now, I want you to take your, start to think about that, how you understand the biblical story and the position and the motivation of the ultimate adversary in light of this pattern that we just read about today. And I'll pick it up again next week. 
All right, amen. So we take you into your reflection time and I'll see you after this. Greater than mine 
try, but we don't belong. Even if that day's a million light years away, each day will begin with the same question. So let me go ahead and say a word of a blessing and prayer over you before you get ready to go back into your day. Um, but let's just pray over you today. For the promises of God find their yes in him. And that is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory and the whole church say amen. 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 So glad that you're amen. able to join us here today at Next Movement Church. Once again, um, thank you for just taking the time out to spend with us this Sunday. Pray that you have enough to carry you through your week and keep your interests so that you'll come back again next week and find out, I won't say the conclusion of the matter, but maybe a little more. So once again, we say goodbye. Everybody ready to say goodbye and say goodbye to Facebook? Say bye. Bye, Facebook. Bye, Facebook. Bye, Facebook. We'll see you soon. <laughs> da -da -da. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.